Well, many, if not all in my generation are older, would remember this familiar tune or this little jingle that was sung before the beginning of every Mr. Rogers Neighborhood television program. It goes like this. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? Could you be mine? Every week, Mr. Rogers, in his calming and his gentle voice, would sing that song way better than I ever could. As he would talk to kids, telling them what it means to be a good neighbor. Fred Rogers, being a Presbyterian minister, took the opportunity every week to deliver to his audience, his TV viewers, regardless of their age, what it meant to be a good neighbor. He would share with them that we were created to live in circles, not in rows, and that in order to love our neighbors, well, we needed to know our neighbors. This week, Sunday, today, we are wrapping up our six-week series called Missio Day. And over the past five weeks, we have been led through God's Word, learning that we prioritize the gospel above everything else. That we are going to do whatever it takes to reach people for the gospel. That we're going to make disciples, not just believers. That discipleship happens in circles. And last week, we talked about that every Christian is a priest. Well, today we conclude our Missio Day series with the topic, Loving Our Neighbor is Knowing Our Neighbor. But before we get into that, may I please open with a word of prayer asking for the Spirit to lead us this morning. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can open up your word together. Lord, I pray that your Spirit's going to lead, your Spirit's going to guide us as we learn together from your text. So God, we give you thanks for the privilege that we have to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do this morning, please turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 2 to 6 together. Colossians 4. We're we're going to take a look just at these few verses this morning, but I want to encourage you, um, whether that's today or over the next week, especially before you meet in your life groups, to take some time to read the entire book of Colossians. It's only four chapters. It's not going to take you that long to do. But I want to encourage you to do that because the book of Colossians gives such a beautiful picture of Paul's heart for reaching the people of Colossians. So take some time to do that this week and before you go into your life groups. Colossians 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 2 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful And pray for us, too, that God may open up a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So far, the reading of God's Word. As I was studying for today and trying to get a fuller understanding to grasp the concept of loving our neighbor as ourselves, I began to realize that this is something, this particular topic doesn't come naturally to me. 
And to be honest with you, I find it very difficult to be intentional about reaching our neighbors. You see, I lean on the personality spectrum more towards the introverted side. I like my space. I like my privacy. I'm not all that concerned about other people knowing my personal and my family business. That's just not who I am. But the more that I dove into the text for today, the more that I, that I understood a little bit more about Paul, what Paul was talking about, about I realized that I needed to do a realignment in my thinking when it comes to this particular topic. When reading the book of Colossians, especially when we take a look at our short few verses for today, I want to draw your attention to two main points. And I put it this way in your notes. Two points, two questions are this. What is my motivation in loving my neighbor? And what action am I going to take moving forward? Motivation and action. And in order to answer these two questions, we need to go back to the Bible because, as said earlier, we prioritize the Bible above everything else, above our culture, above our own personal feelings, above our own interests, above what tradition tells us. We go back to God's Word. And Paul is encouraging us in the book of Colossians, as he is this morning, he's encouraging you and I. And I want you to look back at your text a minute because he says, be wise in the way that we act towards outsiders. That's our neighbors. And then he says, make, make the most of every opportunity. Are you serious about that, Paul? And pray. He says, pray that doors of opportunity are going to open up. And if that is the case, if that's what Paul is, is telling us in the text, then we have to ask the question, don't we? Why? What, what is going to motivate me to, to go outside of what I know? What is going to motivate me to get out of my comfort zone? And what's going to motivate me to be vulnerable with those people that I don't really know? What's my motivation in order to do that? Well, to answer that question, we need to go back a couple pages in the book of Colossians to Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to start reading at, at, at verse 15. And I want to read this to you because I believe it is very important for us to understand this. And God's word captures it so beautifully. So I want to read it out loud. Verses 15 to 20, uh, 23. 24, 23. Uh, so let's read this together. Colossians 1. If you have your Bibles open, please follow along. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, which is Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviors, but now... But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, and do not move from, that, from the hope held out in the gospel, 
This is the gospel that you heard and that is proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What should motivate us? God. God should motivate us. Now that sounds like your typical Sunday school answer, but it's the right answer. God is the source of our motivation to love others. It starts with an understanding of God's love towards you and and God's love towards me. The whole process of loving our neighbor as ourselves, it begins with God because God acted first. 1 John 4, 19 says this, we love because he first loved us. You know, we so often have a tendency to, to flip that around, don't we? We love God, therefore God loves us. Now, I'm a good person. I really am. I went on a missions trip when I was in high school. Man, that was good stuff. Or I wrote this this huge, big, fat check out to some mission agency this past week. And it is because of those things that God loves me. You know, it kind of puts us in the driver's seat a little bit, doesn't it? And this way of thinking, what it does is it makes it all about you and it makes it all about me and it makes it nothing to do with God. It's a backwards way of thinking that undermines the very essence and the very holiness of a loving and holy God. See, God loves us first and it is through his love that we have the ability to love others. See, Jesus gave us this new command in Matthew 22. It says, love the Lord your God With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, when I read this passage, I am very thankful that God loved me first and not the other way around. If I am to love others without God loving me first, I'm not convinced that I'd want to be my neighbor. If loving my neighbor only depends on on me loving myself alone, this self-inward love, it's a flawed relationship right from the start. There is no way that I could love my neighbor for the glory of God if God didn't love me first. Without God's love, my self-image is so distorted. My identity has become so altered by our culture, by Netflix, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. Without God's love, the reality of my sinful nature, it's, it's going to shine. So for example, if I'm having a miserable, crabby, rotten, horrible day, and those days happen more often than they should, and I don't feel a whole lot of self-love for myself today just because I got this guilt of who I am and what I look like and what I feel like, then the rationale would be that I could go to my neighbors and I could teach and I can be with them and I can treat them miserably and rotten and horrible and not show them a whole lot of love because that's how I'm loving myself today. Sounds a little ridiculous, doesn't it? When we focus our love from within ourselves, it can go wrong in so many ways. And if you want to learn or to figure out how it can go wrong, just take a look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5. There's a whole list there of how it can go wrong. When we gaze, when our gaze is bent on our inward self, we fail to love God and and we cannot love others the way that God intended us to. To love our neighbors is to accept ourselves as redeemed people. 
Take a look at this verse a minute from Romans 3. It says, For all have sinned and all have fallen short for the glory of God, for we are all justified. We are all made right freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. You are loved. You are accepted. You are worthy. Not because of your own virtues, but because Christ is worthy. And the more that we can grasp our worth in Christ, the more that we will have the ability to love others. Listen for a moment to how much God has loved you. And if you were at one of the weddings I officiated this summer, this will sound familiar. Just listen. As undeserving as we are, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die a brutal death on the cross so that you and I can have the complete forgiveness of all our sins. He took all your junk, he took all your shame, he took all your guilt, and he nailed it to the cross so that you can be in relationship with the Father. You deserved death, I deserved death, but he took our place so that you may live. But that's not all. Three days later, Jesus rose victoriously from the grave, defeating death once and for all. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? He did this out of his love for you. But that's not all. There's even more. Our risen Lord, he is now ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He's interceding on your behalf and he does that because he loves you so deeply. And there's more. If you are his child, believing that he is the Messiah with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, then you are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You are heirs to the God of the universe because he loves you. That's how much God loves us. That's how much he loves you. So when we ask the question, why should we, we be wise in the way we act towards others? Why, why should we make the most of every opportunity? Why do we need to pray for doors of opportunity to open up? It's all because of God. That is our motivation. God and God alone. It's all because of God that we can love our neighbors as ourselves. So I have to ask the question. Do you love yourself enough to receive and to accept the reality of God's love in your life? If you're answering that question for the very first time today, we would love to hear from you. And we would love to walk this journey with you as you take your next steps of freedom in Christ as a child of God please reach out to us. But if you have accepted God's love, then the response to this overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of our Lord to you and to me, our response must be action. And that leads to the second question. What action am I going to take moving forward? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because knowing where to start can be so overwhelming that it becomes the very reason that we don't start at all. 
I've been there. I understand that. But we must start. We need to move past that which is stopping us and dip our foot into the water, trusting that we can walk forward and that God is going to lead us and that God is going to guide us and he is going to direct us. We need to have the courage to begin to loving our neighbors as ourselves. But how do we start? Where do we begin? Take a look at our, chapter, our verse again for today. Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to read it again. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open up doors for our message so that we may proclaim the mysteries of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Paul gives us pretty practical ways of loving our neighbor. And we can say, thank you, Paul. You see, Paul begins with this. He says, we need to begin with prayer. He says, devote yourselves to prayer and pray for God to open up doors for our message. See, last week in Summit, that's our youth group program here. We talked about our identity in Christ and we were challenged with this line of thinking. Did you greet God today? See, the idea behind this challenge is, is precisely what, what Paul is saying. Did you devote yourselves to prayer today? See, we need to be challenged to be devoted in our prayer because the devil, well, he just hates it when we pray. In our own flesh, our natural tendency is, is to not to love, to pray. You know, you ask anybody in a room to pray, you're guaranteed it's going to go silent. And the devil, he's laughing. We get into our ruts in our prayer and we just keep repeating the same thing over and over and we just no longer, we don't know what to say anymore because we've become so uncreative in our prayers. And the devil, well, he's laughing. As children of God, we are called to pray. We are called to be in fellowship with God, with our prayers, with our petitions, with thanksgiving. And, and we are told in the book of Philippians that we are pre to present our requests to God. So our first step in loving our neighbors as ourselves is intentionally praying for our neighbors. We need to intentionally pray. So starting next week, Sunday, we are launching what we call our 30 Days of Prayer. You know, prayer is at the center of every great evangelistic movement made up of everyday people. Through this prayer guide, we want to challenge you to select four people in your life who you can be intentional about praying for. 30 days straight praying for those people. And the prayer guide is going to ask, it's going to say, who's your four well, we want to encourage you to think about that, to ponder that, and to pray. Pray that, that God is going to place four people upon your heart who you can pray for every day for the next 30 days. And this prayer guide, it has prayers that you can pray in it. All you have to do is you got to fill in the blanks. Just write in the names of the four people that you want to pray for. We want to be intentional in reaching our neighbors with the love and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it begins with prayer. So we want to encourage you after the service day to come by the church and, and to pick this up, to pick up your prayer guide and a few other things from 12 till 1.30. Us as pastors will be there. The elders will be there. And we want to give you your prayer guide. But more importantly, we want to encourage you as you, be, be, as you begin flooding the gates of heaven with your prayers. So we hope we'll see you after church today. And when we pray, we need to be ready to respond. When we pray for doors to open up, God is going to move in our hearts and he's going to open our eyes to see opportunities for us to know our neighbor. You know, the reality is, your neighbors, they're already there. They're already going about their their day-to-day routine and my guess is that their routine is not going to change because you prayed. But you know what is going to change? You are going to change. You are going to begin to see opportunities. You are going to see opportunities where you can go over and say hi in a COVID-friendly way. You are going to see opportunities where you can bake a pie and bring it over. Or you can go cut their lawn out of the pure goodness out of your heart. Or you can put a, a care package together and send it to the person if one of your four is not local. See, Paul begins by encouraging us to devote ourselves to prayer and to pray for doors of opportunity to open up. That's where we have to begin as well, don't we? For 30 days, will you please join us in intentionally praying for our neighbors that we can begin loving and knowing them? Then Paul says this. He says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Pray that I may proclaim. I I love this passage of scripture. I really do. Doesn't it show Paul's humility? Paul, of all people, the great apostle Paul, he's asking for prayer, get this, that he can proclaim the message of Jesus Christ clearly. That's Paul, the apostle. If Paul can ask for it, man, how encouraging is that, isn't it? But as much as I love this, it also is the very verse that makes me tremble in my shoes because of this word right here. Proclaim. Proclaim. Yeah, Paul is talking about proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ to my neighbors. And I love that Paul is asking for clarity because if Paul can ask for clarity, that gives me permission to ask for clarity as well. I believe that one of the reasons that we're not proclaiming is because we are afraid to ask for help. I believe that that, that's just something that we're not used to doing. For many of us, we grew up in the Christian faith. We know what we believe. We, We tell it to our children, which is awesome, and that's where it needs to begin. But those neighbors... Oh man, that's a whole different ballgame. That, that is something that I am just not comfortable with. That's a whole different ball of wax right there. But you see, last week, Pastor Adam talked about that we are all priests. And therefore, we are not exempt from proclaiming the message of Christ. Paul was not given a pass on this, and therefore we are not given a pass on this. Paul knew that it was going to be difficult. And yet Paul, he asked for help. He asked for prayers that he could proclaim the message of Jesus Christ boldly. 
When was the last time that, that you asked for prayer, asking God to give you clarity in sharing the gospel? When was the last time you prayed that prayer? Please, don't be afraid to ask for help from God. Hear these verses from 1 John 5. It says, and this is the confidence we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Go to God. Ask him to help you. Ask him to give you clarity as you proclaim. And after you have asked God, don't be afraid to reach out to others. Ask us as pastors. We would love to walk and help you with this. Bring it up in your life group. Ask your life group, your fellow people in your life group, say, help me with this. I need some help. Youth, ask your mentor leaders at Summit or at Youth. Ask for help. Let's work together. Let's help each other to learn what it means to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Please do not be afraid to ask. Because then Paul goes on and he says this. He says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Let your conversations always be filled with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer anyone. Be wise in the way you act towards neighbors because it is a reflection of who you are. And more importantly, it's a reflection of who God is. This is just some good old-fashioned wisdom, some good old-fashioned advice from Paul. Be smart in how you act when you're interacting with your neighbors. You know, it is very damaging to the integrity of the gospel when believers do things that go contrary to what Scripture says. When the opportunities that you prayed for arise, when you have the opportunity to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, make sure that your walk reflects your talk. Don't speak one way during the week and then act completely different on the weekend. Let the four that you have chosen in your prayer guide that you are going to pray for intentionally for the week, may they see in you the integrity of the gospel. May they never question the validity of the gospel of Jesus Christ because you decided to act foolishly. Instead, may we always be full of grace. And may it be that we always show the same amount of grace that our God has shown us. Be patient. Be understanding. Be gracious. And may your actions always be seasoned with salt to preserve the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now for those of you that are listening and, and watching this morning who are already loving your neighbor, for those of you who are already being intentional about getting to know your neighbor and loving them as Christ has loved you, please hear this. Thank you so much for your ministry. May the Lord give you the strength as, as you continue to be, have conversations full of grace that are seasoned with salt. Please be encouraged in the ministry that you are doing. Thank you and please keep it up. But if you're like me and need a little bit of growth in this area, 
Paul is very clear in his action plan in loving your neighbors. The reality of it all is this. Paul's plan doesn't happen on its own. It's going to require you and it's going to require me. It's going to require us to, to step out in faith, believing that because Christ has loved me so much, because of his love for me, I can love others. That's our motivation. That's our drive. God's love for you and God's love for me. So I want to end today with this question. Is your motivation strong enough to begin loving your neighbors? I pray that it is. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Lord, we pray that you will help us in loving our neighbors and knowing our neighbors. Lord, we pray right now that you are going to give all of us clarity as we proclaim the message. Father, we pray that as we begin intentionally praying for our neighbors over the next 30 days, that you are going to open our eyes to see ways and opportunities and avenues on how we can love them because you loved us first. And Father, we thank you for that. And Lord, as we go now into communion, we pray for your blessing to be upon it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.